Welcome to the Intentional Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Ange Barnard, and today we are talking about self-care in a different way than what you're used to hearing. So if you can answer yes to this question, this episode is for you. Do you sometimes feel like you don't have the time for self-care? Yes. Yet you do want to be the person who cares for herself well versus the person that often feels stressed, rushed, or burnt out. You don't want to be that person. You want to care for yourself well. Yes. Okay. Well, today we have a special guest on the show to teach us a new way of looking at self-care and managing stress. She shares so many tips to better care for yourself that you don't often hear or think about. So let's just get right to it. Here we go. So let me tell you about our guest today, Aditi. Aditi is the author of The Self-Care Habit, a master certified life coach and a psychedelic guide. After her own experience of burnout, depression, and a half-paralyzed face at the age of 20, she became passionate about teaching wellness tools that were never taught in school. She helps working professionals discover their own version of soulful balance in their work and home life. So I brought Athiti on the show because many of you know I have this new identity-based goal of being a relaxed and fun woman. And I know many of you want that too in your life. You want to be that kind of person versus the one that's always stressed out or overwhelmed. And to be that person, I know that it involves upping my self-care practices. So we're here to learn from Athiti all the things about self-care, what it really is, and how to develop your own practice. So welcome to the show, Athiti. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have this conversation today. Me too. And I want to start off by saying, I think a lot of us think of self-care based on what our kind of the culture tends to say or society, like bubble bath, spa, massage. And I love that you really talk about in the book how it's different for everyone and you can develop your own practice and what is feels like self-care to you might feel like super stressful to somebody else. And I just love how you dived into it. So for everyone listening, what in your definition is self-care? What exactly is it? Yeah, I believe that self-care, like I've gone through so many different definitions of it, but I think my favorite one is just simply nourishing yourself. Self-care is nourishing yourself. And that kind of includes everything, like tuning into your needs, understanding what you need, and then delivering it. And nourishing isn't always in action. So this is another big thing. If if there's any takeaway that I can give is that self-care is less about doing and it's more about like being. And what I mean by that is what I noticed working with a lot of my clients is people get really obsessed with what they're doing or not doing. Like I need to go to the gym or I need to drink some green juice or I, I, I didn't go to yoga this weekend or I'm like beating myself up and all that kind of stuff. So I realized people are getting really obsessed with the action steps, but it's less about the action steps. It is a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. What it is more about is who are you being? Who are you being to yourself? Um, Who are you showing up as? Like, how are you a self-care person? So for example, if you didn't, you know, make it to your yoga class this weekend, then how are you nourishing yourself? How are you showing up for yourself? So that could even mean just like realizing that, hey, like, it didn't work out today and still being compassionate and kind towards yourself. 
that is also self-care. So it's not like, oh, I didn't go to yoga today, so I didn't practice self-care. No, there's not only one way of practicing self-care. It's also about who are you being. And I think I am finding more and more that I work with different clients. The biggest probably thing that comes up the most is negative self-talk. And I feel like that's that's why I feel like nourishing yourself includes that. Like, how are you nourishing yourself with kindness? Um, and I find that that to be one of the biggest struggles that people have is just beating themselves up, negative self-talk, being mean to themselves. And, and that's why, and that's a part of being too, like, who are you being to yourself? How are you speaking to yourself? That makes a huge difference. And the actions come later when you're being a self-care person, the actions fall into place. So I think just shifting our mindset around what we're focusing on makes a big difference. I love that. You're totally speaking my language. Um, in our program, commit to your vision. It's all about identity and it's really about like the beingness and you're right. People get so obsessed with the doing when it's really about why are you doing these things anyways? It's because you want to be a type of person you want to feel a certain way. So I, I love just thinking like for everyone listening, just thinking about being a self-care person, being someone who really nourishes yourself, being someone who loves on yourself. You're a loving person, not only to other people, but also yourself. And that might even look like you didn't go to yoga this week or whatever it is that you wanted to not beating up on yourself about that. Exactly. I love it. Okay. So where exactly can people get started on their self-care journey? Let's say if they feel like they're not, they're like, you know, self-care, what, what is that? Like, where can they get started on that? Yeah, for sure. And I actually created a chapter in the book just for people like this. It's in the first section of the book in part one, where it's kind of like a starter guide because so many clients come to me with that. They're just like, okay, Didi, just tell me what to do. Like, where can I start? Like, this is all great and everything. I don't got time to learn all this. Just tell me what to do. So this is for people who just want to get started. These are the three simplest things that you can actually get started with right away. So the first one is decluttering. Um, and you can probably relate to that. Like everyone knows when you declutter, you just feel better. Like you just yes. create some space. Um, and, and that's it'd be one thing that like everyone procrastinates on, but I promise you, if you just spent, I love the Pomodoro method. So I actually was just telling a client about this this weekend. Who's like, I really need to clean my room, but I can't get myself to clean my room. And I know I'll feel better when I clean my room. So we talked about the Pomodoro method of like, basically you set a timer for 25 minutes and you get really focused. Like you turn everything off, like no cell phone, no this, no that. I mean, you can have your music on while you're cleaning, whatever that might be. Um, but like you turn your timer on for 25 minutes and you just get super focused and you do that task and you can stop at that 25 minutes and be like, all right, well, I did this task for 25 minutes, so I'm proud of myself. Or you can continue and do 25 minutes, five minute break, and then another 25 minutes, five minute break. You'll be surprised at how much you can get done in 25 minutes versus if you just give yourself like all day to do it, like you will take all day to do it. So I always recommend just doing 25 minutes can make such a big difference. Like, you know, your closet, like you've been meaning to clean out for so long that your clothes are all over the place. You don't know where, what is, and it causes you a level of stress every morning for what to wear. Like even just like, I actually cleaned out my own closet like a few months ago 
And I can't tell you how much ease it created in my life. Like I knew where things were, like I could find my like shirt, my workout clothes easily. (laughs) So much peace. And I feel like it really comes back to energy, like in the sense of like, when you just take the 25 minutes, you're going to make progress and you're going to feel that energy shift. Like you're like, oh, I'm proud of myself. And a lot of times you find yourself wanting to do more than 25 minutes. And like, that's the point It's just getting started. And it's funny because we make up such all these stories around how long something's going to take and we will be procrastinating on it for like years. Right. And it takes you like 25 minutes to do the thing or something like that, you know? So it's like, just like get past that little like hump of resistance. So I feel like the Pomodoro method is really helpful with that. So de- t- tidying, decluttering your space, that's an instant energy shift, a way to practice self-care. What, what else? What were the other two? Yep. The next one is drinking more water. And for those of you who are listening and not watching, I've been like sipping water throughout this uh, interview just now. Everyone can drink more water. Like our bodies now, go ahead. Like literally (laughs) we, we need water for ourselves to optimally function. Um, It's basically oxygen for ourselves. So it just makes us feel better. We feel more nourished. You know, it makes our organs operate better. It gives us more energy. Like everyone could drink more water. So I think that's one of the simplest things people can start with is just drink more water essentially. And then the third one is to go outside. Um, I cannot tell you how much better I feel after I go outside, especially when I've been consciously doing it more. Like now I know about the science and all that stuff. One of my favorite books is earthing. Um, and it shows, it gives a lot of science around how, when you go outside barefoot on the ground and it can be concrete, it doesn't have to be grass or dirt. It can be the concrete, um, your body connects with the, you know, electrons and atoms that are coming out of the earth's energy and connects to your body and like regulates your system, calms you down, um, and heals you as well. There's been a lot of people who've actually, uh, had illnesses healed, from simply practicing earthing. Like when I learned about that, I was just blown away that how much medicine mother nature has for us right outside our window. And, you know, we're usually inside, you know, four walls all the time. Like I, I work from home and I'm usually on zoom calls. So I'm indoors a lot myself and I literally have to force myself sometimes to go outside. So I feel like going outside is a very simple, simple self-care step to literally just, just five minutes. I tell all my clients, like just spend five minutes in nature a day. And it truly makes such a big difference in your moods and your energy levels. We literally get um, nourishment and medicine from nature and just going outside can make a difference. And I picked three things that are like super, super simple and doable. Um, but in the book, I talk about five tips total. So I'll give the extra two for our like advanced people who want to go in a little bit deeper. Everyone's going to want to (laughs) know. So the other two, uh, so one is moving your body. So of course, um, we all know that moving our body is good for us, but a lot of times people have resistance to it. That's why I moved it to the other side, but like moving your body is huge. And I've actually myself been doing, um, a hundred day challenge where I am walking every day for 20 minutes outside specifically and doing 4,000 steps. Um, something I started, um, on February 1st. So it's been almost 30 days now. So I'm like really proud of myself awesome. uh, of, of that consistency. It. Yeah. And like, I cannot tell you what a difference it is making in my mental health. Like I am truly an advocate for walking for mental health because it really helps you just process your mind, get clarity, 
process mm-hmm. emotions as well. There are some call, there are some walks where I'm straight up crying because like these emotions are just coming out of me. But man, it's so cathartic. And now my body literally craves it like to go outside. So you can combine the go outside and you know moving your body because oh man, just a simple walk. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like you don't need to go for a jog or run. Like I mean, right. unless you want to, like just a simple walk, just throw on some shoes and walk outside for 20 minutes. It can make such a big difference in your life. And then the last one is to pursue aliveness. So this one, the reason I pushed it over as well is because sometimes a lot of people don't know what this means. And it takes a little bit of discovery work to discover for yourself, like what makes me feel alive? A lot of times people are just busy in the cycle of life uh, in autopilot mode. We're working, we're coming Mm -hmm. home, we're sleeping. Like we're not, we don't even know what makes us feel alive until we feel it you know, maybe with your friends or with family or during the holidays, you know, what are those things that make you feel alive? Uh, You'll want to ask those questions because I find that there's nothing more nourishing and nurturing than engaging in those activities that make you feel alive. And um, I think that, you know, yeah, so not everyone knows what it is, so they'll have to kind of discover it. And then I actually had combined declutter and disconnect together in my book. So the other part of declutter was to disconnect. Another reason I I put this on the side is because people struggle with disconnecting. So it's not always the easiest thing. But for those of you who are ready and and feel like they need it, um, you know, if you can disconnect, you can actually combine this with your walk and going outside, like leave your phone at home unless you need to listen to music like I do. So sometimes, but sometimes I will leave my phone at home as well and just like not have anything on me. Like no one can reach me. Um, My favorite way to disconnect is on an airplane. Like I love being like up in the air and like no one can reach me. I can't reach anyone. Like it's just cut off. It just forces you to be present and just be with yourself and just enjoy your own company. Um, So disconnecting, but people really struggle with disconnecting. So that's why that's a little bit for the advanced people who are ready to go in. I've had, I had um, a boss recently who took off like a few weeks and uh, she was saying that like, it took me like two days to really disconnect because I kept wanting to like check my phone, yeah. check my email. It's just like truly an addiction. So we, it takes some discipline to kind of cut that, cut through that. And like what you said earlier is like doing the walking challenge that you're doing. Now you find yourself craving that and wanting to do that. And it's, I always talk about like, who are you training to be? And it's like, think about that. Like we're all training to be a certain person, like whatever you practice, you get good at. Like some of us have practiced really getting really good at connecting, staying always connected, you know, on our phones or whatever else, or eating all these foods that don't nourish us, you know, like we've gotten really good at that. So just really thinking about like, what is it that you want to get good at? Do you, and do you even want to train to be someone who cares for yourself? Well, I'm sure we all do. So like you can start doing these things and you'll build habits around it and then your body will crave it just like it's craving the walks. And like, for me, I drink a lot of water and I feel like I need more water than other people. Like my body's like, no, you need more and more, right? Because it's like, I'm so used to drinking that way. But I remember my old self where I didn't drink a lot of water. And it was like, I had a, like, it felt like I had to force myself initially. And then once you get yeah. past that resistance, you become the kind of person that does drink a lot of water. It goes back to identity. You become the kind of person that does care for yourself very well. So at the end of my book, I invite everyone to create a hundred day challenge, a hundred day roadmap. I'm a huge advocate of them because when you turn it it. into like a game for yourself, 
it makes a big difference. So, I, and I wanted to share a story because literally, so I'm, I'm like, my aim is 4,000 steps daily. Cause when I was looking at my steps, like, I think last month I was realizing that I was like walking maybe 500 steps a day. I was like, okay, we got to up this, you know? <laughs> and um, so I decided 4,000 because 4,000 felt doable. And that equ equates to about 45 minutes of walking a day. Um, but like, I remember the other day or like last week I got into bed and um, I couldn't remember if I hit my steps or not. And it was, I was like ready to go to bed. It was like 11 PM. I looked at my steps on my phone and I had 3,500. I was like, ah, I cannot go to sleep now. I have to wake <laughs> up and get these 500 steps in. So I kid you not, I was holding my phone in my hand and I was walking around my apartment yeah. back and forth because I was like, uh-uh, I got to get those 400 steps. And just last night, you know, it's at the, it's the end of the month now. And I was like looking through each day to double check that I hit 4,000 each day. And it felt so good. Like there were many days I hit 10,000, 12,000, but like 4,000 was my minimum. And like, when you turn it into a game, like, I feel like it just makes it more fun. Cause the rule is that if you miss a day, then you got to start. Um, yeah. so that makes you not want to miss a day at all. You're like, Oh no, I'm already on day 28. Like there's no way I'm starting over. So you get your ass up out of bed and you do. Yes. What you do. And that was never me. Like I would never do that. Like I'm like, I'm not getting, I love in bed. I love sleep. Like, you know, so I was very impressed. I was like, look at you girl <laughs> getting up and doing it. So it really yeah. becomes a part of you after a while. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how like those challenges really make a huge difference. And if you think about it, it's like, it's so in alignment and the science supports it around like how the brain works. Like you want to like close this loop. You're starting, when you start to form an identity around something, your mind's like, this is how I should behave. And when you're not behaving that way, it kind of freaks out. So it's like thinking about it as like going back to the whole identity thing. Like once you start doing this stuff, like it truly, like you will start wanting to be more like that person. I remember back in the day, and I've shared the story on the podcast where people would often say to me like, well, it's easy. It's easy for you to eat healthier. It's easy for you to do that. And I would, but it's not for me. And it would kind of like frustrate me. Cause I would be like, well, it's not really that easy. Like I, I still have to work at it, but I realized what they were saying. It was, I didn't have as much resistance around something because it was a part of my identity. It's who I identified as it was like second nature that I behaved that way. So I would just, I'm the person that works out. I'm the person that drinks a lot of water. I'm the person that cares for myself, whatever it is. I didn't have that. Whereas like the other person had, had that resistance and everyone is going to have the resistance until you build the habit around it. This is something I've been thinking about lately as I've been working with a lot of different clients to understand that resistance and, you know, um, what is that resistance and where does it come from and how can we move through it? Um, and one thing that I've noticed between the clients who actually do start building the habits versus who don't, you know, there's, there's a mentality where it's like, oh, I should do this. I need to do this. I know I need to be healthier. This part, this, this group of people, they're not very motivated to create those habits because they're kind of putting this kind of punishment on themselves or this obligation on themselves. Mm -hmm. But this group of people who actually show up, what I noticed to be the difference is they actually are pursuing something that's meaningful to them. And that makes them show up. So yeah. I think this is my new conclusion that what will motivate you is that we have to find what is meaningful to us. So why, why do you want to practice self-care? Like, what is this going to do for your life? You know, mate, I know at one point, like 
moving my body was also because I wanted to build more stamina so I could go on hikes because I really enjoyed outdoor hikes. And I also want to become a yoga teacher. So I was like, I need to build my body's stamina. So that was my motivation. So it made, it gave me a bigger meaning than just, oh, you need to move your body. You need to go outside because it's good for you. It's coming from a very different place. So, it is. Yeah. So I want to invite people to think about like, what is meaningful to you that you want to pursue because it feels good because it's something that nourishes you because it gives you joy. So like, I notice clients who like want to like they like go into painting, like they get so excited about it. And for them, it's a beautiful creative outlet. And they do it because it's something they genuinely want. It's something their heart actually desires, not something they're forcing on themselves. You know, it's kind of like something they actually desire. So how can you make your self care routine things that you actually desire? And of course, there's still going to always be resistance. But I think that makes it a little bit easier, because it's something you actually want to do rather than it's something you're forcing yourself to do. And then with the resistance, know that with anything you're building habits with, the first like 30 days is going to be kind of an uphill mm-hmm. climb. That's just part of the process. Anticipate it, expect it, and just kind of like work through that first 30 days. But after that, it gets it gets way easier. Yeah. And it's like focus on what is meaningful to you. Like, why are you doing this? And when you, you're talking so much about like just these energy shifts, like even when you talk about making this a game, like when we see the world as like a game, it's actually like a higher from an en- a higher energetic place, right? So you shift oh. your own energy by thinking about let's make this a game. So it kind of helps remove that resistance. And then even shifting from this is something hard or I'm not used to doing this, like where the resistance is building up, you shift your focus, which shifts your energy, you shift your focus to why is it meaningful to you? So like for me thinking about the reason why I do things that are hard and I feel, I, I do feel the resistance around it is because I shift my focus to really who I want to be and what I value. So it's like, it kind of goes back to that. Like for me, I really value being healthy. Like that's the kind of person I want to be like, it's that's really meaningful to me. And like, sometimes you got to figure out what is meaningful to you. Maybe that wouldn't get someone to move past the resistance, but like, maybe it's something like, well, I really want to be a really strong and fit mom. Like I want to be able to run around with my kids or or grandma or whatever it is. And that's your motivating factor. That's the thing that's going to help you move past the resistance. So it's just so cool that you brought that up because I think about that with every other area of our life. Like if we're feeling the resistance, like we got to make it more meaningful to us. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. That. Like why, why do you want to do this? Like writing my book, I had so much resistance. Like it felt like punishment, but I had to look at the bigger picture. I'm like, girl, remember that time in the bathtub? Yes. <laughs> you said you were going to help other people. Um, and it, 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 and you have to have sometimes multiple reasons. And another reason was I just always wanted to become a published author, like for over 10 years. And I'm like, are you going to wait another 10 years of DT to do this? You know? And so sometimes you have to find multiple layers of meanings as well. I'm so freaking proud of you. I mean, Thank it's so you. inspiring. that, And just to hear too, that you work through that, like that mind trash that shows up for us. And like, I love how you talk back to yourself. And I do that constantly. Like when I do something, I'm clapping for myself. Like I'm like cheering myself on. Like when I'm not doing something, I'm calling myself out. It's like, Hey, Ange, remember you said this was important to you. And I think that's important to have that dialogue with your, to have that kind of relationship with yourself, like to be your own coach. Like we hear this in the coaching world, like your higher coach self, like coach yourself around stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Truly. 
I got this quote um, highlighted from my notes from your book, and it talks about burnout. And I know a lot of us listening have experienced burnout in the workplace. And this just clicked for me because I never really thought about it this way. But it says chronic workplace stress, like that's ultimately what burnout is, chronic workplace stress. So energy depletion, exhaustion, negativism to one's job, distancing that like that's kind of how it might show up. But in a nutshell, you describe it as it's just stress not managed well. And it, yes. like light bulbs went off for me because it's like so many people are thinking about how do I get how do I beat burnout or overcome come it? It's like you need to learn how to manage stress better because you talk about how the stress is always going to be there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Can you speak a little more on that? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I'll be honest, that was a big light bulb moment, moment for me too. When I really read the true definition, I was like, wait, so the solution to stress, uh, the solution to burnout is stress management, self-care. Okay, great. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was just like, wow. And it makes a lot of sense because I, I think burnout is essentially working past your limits. You know, you're working more than you're physically, energetically capable of working. And I think it's it's really important to look at the reasons that you are working past your limit. Are you doing it because that's what everyone else in the office is doing it? Are you doing it because you think you need to? Are you doing it because you need to prove yourself? Are you doing it because mm. you're burying yourself to avoid other problems in your life? You know, um, which is very common, right? No, no shame around any of it. It's just a discovery process to look at, you know, where is the burnout coming from? And, you know, when I first went through, uh, uh, I guess, one of my most significant burnouts, I realized that I was so excited to work because I had been waiting for this moment to work with these clients. And I just had an influx of clients coming in. So I was like, give me all the clients. I'm going to work with everyone. You know, (laughs) I was very excited. So it was coming out of a place of excitement. And I realized that I didn't actually know what my capacity was because I had never had this many clients before. So I was just working like a crazy person. And I was having a great time until my body shut down and I got an infection. And I was like, okay, I think I'm burnt out, you know? And it's, it's unfortunate that it has to come to the point for most of us that it hits our body. Then we notice, but it is what it is. You know, I also talk about forgiving yourself in the book that like, all right, well, I could have done things better, but this is where I'm at now. What can I do now? You know? And yeah, when people hit burnout, I think the best thing to do first, you know, is to really just recharge. Like you need to build your energy back up because you are depleted right now. So don't even work, worry about like making changes in your like, you know, life yet, because first you just need to probably take off and just like rest. Like I remember when I first realized I was burned out and I was feeling sick like that, I just took off for a few days and I just slept for, for a few days and really recharge my body. And then what I invite you to do is really look at where's the burnout coming from? You know, look at your different days. What activities do you feel like are fighting, contributing to your burnout? And then I really evaluated kind of where that was looking like. I realized that I had a, a lot of clients on two days back to back. I realized that there were certain notes that I was taking that was taking me too long to do. So Looking at all of that, I was then the third step was to really just rearrange all of it. So what I did was I moved those, I put a date in between those two days. So it wasn't back to back. I like simplified my note taking process. I like did all these things that made a huge difference. And then when other people were getting burned out at my work, I was able to help them 
based on what I had done. So I think that like burnout is very normal. Um, I think that it's easy to get burned out with the culture that we live in and like the work hustle culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that it requires us to have a level of introspection to understand like what our own levels are, because some people may be able to work that much and be completely fine. Whereas other people might have different energy levels and honoring that for yourself, you know, and being able to speak up and have the courage to ask those questions, have those conversations with colleagues, with work, or, you know, a lot of times we feel shame because we feel like we need to be able to keep up with the rest. And I was feeling that too. I didn't talk about it for a while until, I don't know, I think maybe I was like just at my peak and I just had to share. And like a lot of people were resonating with what I was feeling. So I was like, wait, if I never brought it up, I wouldn't have known that I wasn't alone in this feeling. And then now we can collaborate and find solutions. Yeah. And it's like you can help create a new norm because that's been my experience too where I felt shame around saying something like I don't want to keep up at this level like it felt like I was like living out alignment with my own values where I'm like but then I looked around me and I was like well everybody else is doing it so maybe I should do that but when I finally spoke up about it everybody's like I feel that way too and I realized that a lot of people just didn't have that courage to say that you know they wanted to do less or whatever because they were trying to keep up with the Joneses too like we all tend to do I love that in your book you talk a lot about um, like that going inward in a sense, or you have these exercises that allow you to go inward. And I feel like that's what's taking me so long to get through the book is because I really want to do them because your journal questions are so good. Because when we got to the burnout, when you had asked questions about like, what exactly is causing the burnout? Like, why are you working so much? And a lot of times we find that that stuff, like that deeper stuff where it's like, oh, we're trying to impress or we don't want to disappoint someone or whatever it is. And it's just important to shine a light on that. And I just love how in your book, there's so many practices that you are offering to do that. So the thing is, if you guys get this book, which you should, if you're listening, um, <laughs> we should like truly just go through all of it because it's so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. It, it feels so good to hear. And I feel like when I was writing this, I I, I was wondering like, is this going to be helpful? Are people going to resonate with it and all this stuff? And, and it, it feels really good to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, I loved it. I love this. And I think it's something that we're often told is like, you know, when you pour into yourself, you'll be able to pour that much more into all other areas of your life. But for it to really click, like a lot of us and you, you say, say things like you don't have time for it. This is what you said in the book. Many working professionals say, I don't have time for it. Like I don't have time for self-care, right? You put it on the back burner. What if it's less about doing and more about being? Are you someone, are you someone who can rely on yourself? I love this. Are you someone who can rely on yourself? Are you someone who has your own back? Um, Do you listen to your own struggles? Do you hold space for yourself? And when I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, if I'm not even doing that for myself, like holding space for myself, listening to myself, you know, or having my own back, caring and loving on myself, how the heck can you be doing that well for other people? Like, I just really feel like you can't, at least not long-term, maybe for a bit, but long-term, you're not going to be able to. So if I think about everyone that's listening right now, I know they all have big hearts. They're always thinking about all the other people. And if you're going to be doing that and you do want to show up well as the best wife, mom, or whatever it is, then you really need to prioritize caring for yourself and loving on yourself too, so that you can pour from that cup. And the overflow will flow into everybody else. I mean, we all know that, but I feel like it. We all don't practice it for sure. You know, it's yeah. Worth saying and it, again, 
And another thought that just came up to me, I think another resistance that we have is because we're not really rewarded for self-care Yeah. in terms of society, right? It's an internal reward. It's a personal reward. But ultimately, that personal reward flows over, of course, into community. But I think that, you know, it is valued to be busy. It is valued to be overworking. It is valued to, you know, if you're burnt out, it must mean you're just important and you've been doing all this important work. And just realize you're not going to get those same kind of accolades and like letting go of that. I think people struggle with because they're like, wait, I was getting this validation from the external world about being such a busy, important, burnt out person. But like, but like, this is not who I want to be anymore. And people struggle with that because you, there will be people who will think you're selfish, who will think, you know, things about you for taking care of yourself or choosing yourself because people are not used to boundaries. People are used to us over giving, like giving is more valued than receiving. So being able to actually receive the self-care that you're giving to yourself uh, it's going to be a different kind of reward. So I just want to plug that in. So if once you do start facing that, you're like, oh, wait, this, it's okay. I'm not supposed to get that validation, but I, I'm getting so many other benefits instead. Yeah, exactly. What exactly is the care formula that you talk about in the book and how can people use it? Yeah, for sure. So I created the care formula because a lot of clients would tell me, I don't know what self-care is. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. So I wanted to create something super simple. That's kind of like a plug and play kind of formula. So this can be used as a stress management tool if you are in a moment of stress, but you can also use it as a long-term tool to uh, practice deeper self-care and to reduce stress overall in your life. So essentially the CARE formula is C-A-R-E and C stands for compassion. A is for attention, R is for recharge and E is for engage. So essentially compassion is really about um, being kind to yourself, pouring into yourself, giving yourself love, like give paying attention to, and then the next part is to pay attention. So and paying attention to the parts of you that need attention, right? Whether that's your body, whether that's your mind, whether that's your spirit, um, whether that's a certain area of your life, you know, whether you're maybe feeling stressed out in finances in your life. So, you know, maybe that's an area of your life you want to give more attention to. How can you have more compassion for yourself through this process? And then recharging is essentially about, recharging is also like, reflecting it includes reflecting it includes um kind of retreating like walking away from the situation for example if there's a specific situation that you're working with and then um recharging is engaging in an activity could be like it could be like yoga or walking outside um it could be something physical it could be coloring it could be dancing but it could also be reflection like i said journaling things like that And then the last step is engaging. So engaging is essentially like, how do you want to engage with the situation? Um, How do you want to show up in your life around the situation? Like, what is, what do you want to do from here on out? Because usually after recharging, you'll have a little bit of space because it clears some of the fog in your mind around the situation that you might be in or just in general, it just clears your mind. So that recharging creates space. So then from the engage is essentially making that decision on whatever it is that you want to do. So one simple example I like to use is like, let's say your boss gives you a a presentation that you have to give tomorrow, like a last minute and assigns this to you. And you're just like really stressed out about it. You're freaked out. So this is a way that you could use it in a specific situation. So uh, you don't have to do it in order, but we'll walk through it in order for purposes of this example. So the first one is have compassion for yourself. Like, 
Okay, I know this is a lot. I know that you're stressed out, but we're going to do this together. So mm -hmm. talking kindly to yourself is one of my favorite ways of offering compassion, just speaking kindly to yourself, you know? All right, so so a lot of times I'll do that when I'm feeling stressed out. It's kind of like maybe talking to the even your inner child, essentially, or the part of you that's freaking out um, that, hey, I got your back. We're going to do this together. Like I got yeah. you, you know? Um, and then paying attention. Okay. So what is really stressing me out about this? The, the, these are the facts. Like what's stressing me out about this is that I don't know, I need to get a lot of research done before tomorrow's presentation. I don't know if he's going to, I'm stressed out if he's going to like it or not. My boss is going to like it or not. Um, you know, I don't know if I have enough time, like just listing out all the things, like paying attention to all of it. And then also looking at like, you know, okay, well, what, what can I do? And look at those options. And then walking mm -hmm. away from it completely. All right. I know I have this presentation to do, but I'm going to go to the gym for an hour to just reset myself before I dive in. So whether that's a gym, whether that's, you know, going into a sauna or getting a massage or whatever that recharge might be for you, it might even be jumping into, you know, the shower, you know, just reset. Showering is one of my favorite ways to reset. It really just resets your, your whole self. Um, yeah. And then once you're done with that, then engaging would be in this example to go ahead and work on the presentation. Okay, now how am I going to engage with this? I'm going to engage with this with a clear mind, with what I do have, with the time that I do have. I'm going to be compassionate with myself throughout the process. And so that is one example that you can use the care formula to help you in a stressful situation in the moment. Um, and then for a long term is essentially just in general, like, you're like, I don't know how to practice self-care. Just do these four things. Give yourself compassion, pay attention to yourself, um, uh, recharge daily, and then engage with yourself, you know, be with yourself, be that self-care person, um, make decisions that, that nurture you, things like that. Oh, I love it. So good because it's just something that you can use. Like if something's stressing you out, like go back to the care concept. And I love the fact that the whole reset or recharge because I, I've seen so often with clients where we like, we find ourselves in a situation that's stressful, but we keep trying to push through it. And we act like with that same energetic place that we're in, that we're just going to figure it out. We're going to hustle. We're going to like, we're like staying in it, you know, we're obsessing about it. And it's like, step away from it. This is a sign to you that we need to recharge. Like you need that energy shift and then come back and you're going to feel so much better. And you're going to be able to then engage in the situation or figure out what you need to do from a different lens that's going to be able to show you solutions or like opportunities exactly. whereas before you weren't able to see it because you're like you know at that lower energetic state and then when you're in that lower energetic state you don't see the opportunities or solutions so you need to like remove yourself from it and I think a lot of people think they just need to force their way through it you know and it's just something good to point out and then you also talked about really checking in with yourself and seeing what it is that you need. And that question for myself has helped me so much. Like just being like, when I'm frustrated or overwhelmed or whatever it is, like I literally will put my hand on my heart and I'll be like, Ange, what do you need? And I just sit there yeah. and I listen, like, what is it that you need? And it's almost like, you know, we would do this with somebody else. Like if my toddler or nephew yeah. or whatever is like grabbing me, you know, he's frustrated. I'm like, what do you need? What's going on? What's wrong? Yeah. Right? But like, yeah. what about ourselves? Right. So it's just so cool to think about. This is so good. I think like we could go on forever. <laughs> yeah. I just love this so much. Um, but I want everybody to know where, again, your book title, where they can find you, anything else you want to share, let us know. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the book is called The Self-Care Habit. You can find it on all major retailers, Amazon, Barnes Noble, all the places. Um, and I send out monthly self-care notes. So I want to invite you to come get self-care reminders sent to your inbox if you'd like to join. Um, the link is Aditi, my first name, A-D-I-T-I, -I, creative, just regular creative.com slash self-care notes. So I send self-care notes out um, weekly, uh, sending these reminders from the book and also new ones that I come up with, love sharing stories. And if you wanna practice this self-care work and really uh, step into your own version of self-care, I have a self-care bootcamp that I created um, that can help you not only study these concepts, but also put them into practice. So we do challenges along with the learning and it's basically my book come to life <laughs> with the bootcamp. So um, you can find out more about that at aditicreative.com slash bootcamp, or simply email me if you want to talk more um, at aditi at aditicreative.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will put all of the details that Aditi just shared into our notes or the details section of this episode. So you can find all of that there. Thank you so much, Aditi, for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you want to see dancing videos with self-care tips, follow me on Instagram. It's at Aditi Creative. I love well. it. <laughs> Speaking of dancing, is dancing something that energizes you? Maybe you're like me and you like to silly dance. Like you're not going to see me formally dancing somewhere, but maybe in my kitchen with some jams from back in the day, I might be dancing around, shaking my booty, laughing with my husband as I'm cooking. That feels very energizing to me. Or sometimes I'll jump on my mini trampoline to a song and it'll just like, you know, jam out, dance around. Feels good. So I really want you to be thinking about what are the self-care practices that feel good to you? And maybe you have a list of things that you can go to that will reset you, that will recharge you, right? That will make you feel alive. And maybe you haven't been doing enough of the things that make you feel alive. Maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions. Like you don't want to live that kind of life. You want to show up and you want to feel alive. So what are the things that help you feel alive? I'll tell you some of my things that kind of re help me reset and feel more alive. Walking in nature, anything in nature just feels like such a great form of self-care to me. Um, what else I got here? Creative writing. Like when I'm like, just sit down, Ange, and write whatever's on your heart. It can be fun, silly. I just love that creative process. Sitting down and very intentionally taking the time to sip and enjoy my coffee or a tea versus rushing and just like sipping it as I'm working. When I'm intentional about that time, it just feels like such a good way to practice self-care is like to sit, to pause, to really taste the food or taste the drink, you know? Um, doing facials, like I love to do my own facials. I, I actually really enjoy the ones that you peel off, that dry off. Uh, dry on your skin and then you peel it off like a snake skin you know <laughs> I love that for example my husband and I last night I, I told him I was like hey when you get home from work we are watching our show and we are going to do facials and he's like cool he loves the pampering he's all about it so we sit there and we do this mask and the mask that I use is just it's like coconut um based one and it dries and you just like peel it off but your skin feels so soft afterwards anyways it's like just a, ma a mask that you can get like at Walgreens or something anyways we both do it 
and you guys should have seen him last night he had a headband on one of my headbands because I put it on him so that he keeps his hair back and it's like the velvety jeweled one so it looked hilarious and then he has this white face mask on um and it made us laugh so much because it would like this the mask gets stuck to your hair and you're just like laughing and I'm like you look so stupid so I told him I was saying he's like thanks way to lift me up but we just laugh about that and it's like the simple thing can bring us so much joy just putting on this mask on our face as we're watching tv so that's a form of self-care um laying in a sauna my husband and I like to go in a sauna at least once a week and we just like sit there and just sweat it out I know some people that's not their thing but for us we're just like yes it feels so good anyways that's our thing what's your thing like laying in the sun sitting in the sun looking up at the sun anything sun related is is my jam as far as self-care goes and some people it's water you know um pausing to watch my animals sleep like my, my animals, they're so cute. And when they're sleeping, I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. I just admire them. It's just, I feel like that's just energizes me. And you might feel like that with your animals, your cute animals or the cute humans that you made, you know, or your cute lovers. You just, maybe that's creepy, but you look at them when they're sleeping. I do that. I'm just like, oh, love you so much, you know? But like taking time to be intentional about doing the things that reset us, that recharge us, that make us feel alive. All right, so journal on all this so you can think about what your self-care formula is going to be for yourself. Ask yourself questions related to higher energy, like what helps me feel most relaxed? What helps me feel most energized? What gets me in that state of flow, right? And add those activities into your life more. Because it's so fun to be around someone who cares for themselves really well because they just have really good energy. I notice that. Like I notice when I'm around people who give off this energy of like feeling really burnt out or down. It's like I can feel that. It's like not my favorite person to talk to, keeping it real. Not that I don't want to be the person that listens to people, but it's like energy is contagious. And I really think we need to take responsibility for the energy that we're projecting into a space. And that really comes back to how are you caring for yourself? And are you being intentional about living a life where you do feel alive? Because so many of us are just going through the motions. Why? Because we're not intentional about our energy. We're not intentional about our time. So what I want you to do is to add to your schedule self-care time for you, truly. And what that looks like is going to be very different from someone else's self-care. And I've also noticed that a lot of people don't like hearing the word add to your schedule because they're like, oh, well, I'm already too overwhelmed. I already have too much going on. That might mean that you need to create space to care for yourself and look at all the things. And if you're prioritizing all these things outside of you versus yourself, there's a problem because you're going to burn yourself out straight up. So where can you shift some things around and prioritize you? This is why I often recommend in the early morning hours before everyone else is demanding your attention. Can you take that time for yourself? And if you do like simple things to make yourself proud that shift your energy, like we talked about um, the three M's, mindfulness, movement, mastery, doing that early in the day, you can feel so good. It doesn't have to take long. It could take you 15 minutes. That's it. But it could do so much for your energy. So no more excuses about not having time for self-care. Like, done. Self-care can look a lot of different ways. It can be as simple as you pausing with your coffee. And those little simple things 
end up being the big things. Those little micro habits lead to something so much greater. It's about you being intentional. If you're intentional in one little space, you're going to be intentional in other places, right? And it's about you getting your energy right. You shift your energy in those moments and everything else flows from that place. All right. Oh, I got to, if you're still listening right now, I know it's a long episode. If you're still listening right now, I want to tell you too, I have a new course coming out. I just started recording it. It should be out soon. It's about intentionally planning your week. It's meant to help you intentionally plan your week in less than an hour, ideally 35 minutes a week. This is going to help you be so much more intentional with your time and your energy and consider everything as a whole. And it's the method that I use to plan my week so that I don't feel overwhelmed. And I used to be the person that wouldn't even sit down and plan my week because I was just overwhelmed by all of the things, thinking of the things I needed to do for the house, for work, for everybody else, all the things. But when you use the process that I recommend, everything changes and you make yourself proud because you're like, dang, pretty intentional over here, you know? Okay, so that's coming out. You can look for that. I'll let you know when it comes out. I hope you have an awesome day again. What is your self-care formula? What's going to be a part of that? Talk to you soon. Bye.